It's Cecilia. And Megan. Let us distract you while driving, cleaning, working out. Or not working out. Actually, what in the dang heck? Just grab some wine and chill. It'll be like eavesdropping and a girls' night all wrapped up into one. that I'm here. Such an honor. I've wanted to be on for so long. I'm a <laughs> avid listener and here I am. <laughs> it's Claire. It's Claire from Finding Philothea on yes. Instagram. Um, but moreover, friend, wife, mother, and just one of the most peaceful women we've ever met. So yeah. thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. So as you've probably seen from the title of this podcast, whatever we choose to make it, um, <laughs> it is about Claire's journey and um, infertility and just how she's just, just everything in between. And we really want to dive into this topic. And Claire was the first person we thought of, and she talks about it very openly on her Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but before we jump in, uh, Meg, you want to start with the heck yes? The usuals. My heck yes is that uh, we hosted a bunch of people yesterday that are Catholics in the area. Avery invited some people that he knows through like jujitsu and college. And I invited some people that I know through Instagram and church. And it was just a random group of people. Well, we thought it was a random group of people, but it was so cool because every single person that came in the door was like, oh, hey, oh, hey. Like they all knew each other sort of somehow in like yeah. this inner web connection. And I was like, this is Catholic Instagram playing out in real life before my eyes right now. <laughs> it's amazing. like everybody knew someone else there. And I was just getting to meet like half of the people for the first time. And I was like, well, everyone knows each other and people from like 60 minutes away drove in and they knew someone. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> so that was cool. That was my heck guess. <laughs> Well, that's okay. You? So, you know, they say the universal church, but it's like at the it's, end of the day, it's literally, if you're Catholic, you're going to have something in common with someone else that has the same faith. So it's like, mm -hmm. you just feel like, you know, them anyway, because you know, right. half of half of their heart is like right. for the church. So, you know, where they lie on like all these big, deep things because the Catholic church is so universally sound in that way. And it's just like, wow, cool. We can get past the whole, like, how's the weather, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, love yeah. it. Claire, what's Claire. your heck yes? So I never thought I would ever say this, but it is homeschooling my son, Peter. And I, this is coming from someone who went to public and private school, but I am loving it. It's like, so I think it's because he's starting to read now, mm. like more fluently. And I'm like, I taught him that. Like yeah. he, I taught him that hours and hours of work and seeing that come to fruition. It's so beautiful. And I don't know how long we'll do it. And I'm just following the peace with it. And we feel so much peace with homeschooling and it's just been the highlight of my day. And it's so much different than what I thought growing up homeschooling was there's co-ops yeah. now there's sport. It's just blooming into such a beautiful community and so that's my heck yes, is homeschooling my son, which I never thought I would say. 
That's really encouraging for CC and I, because we always say, yes, we want our kids to be homeschooled, but by us, no. <laughs> so this is like really encouraging. I, I say, okay, I get this all the time and people doubt their ability as parents, but this is my response. Don't doubt yourself, doubt the institution that makes you doubt yourself that you can do it. The school that made you doubt yourself. Like we mm-hmm. are so equipped as parents to teach our children and um, a lot of curriculum now too tells you exactly what to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't doubt true. yourself, do true. it. If you feel the call, do it. I need the okay. desire first. I'm like, I have a <laughs> desire for them to be homeschooled. I have no desire to, to homeschool. do the homeschool. Like that's the missing <laughs> piece for me. <laughs> it's true. I think we've been so ingrained that it's, I pictured it as six hours at home, just sitting there doing worksheets. It's not, it's life lessons. It's him going to the Mm. store, picking out food. Now it's him those practical life things. And we do what 10, 15 minutes of sitting down and actually schooling. So yeah. Yeah. Don't doubt yourself and pray for that desire. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah, we were homeschooled elementary school and it was like, you know, you have your worksheets and stuff like that, but for the majority, I mean, you're not like really how much science are you going to learn at like age six? And like, you learn the same history over and over and over again through your 12th grade. And, you know, all of these things, like you just got to reading, spelling, math, just that's what you need. (laughs) (laughs) CC, what's your heck yes? Okay. So my heck yes is spiritual direction. And my, my spiritual director this week, he was talking about, um, just like prompting the question of like, how does the Lord see my heart in my spiritual life? Like that opposite perspective, not like, how do I see my heart or, you know, my spiritual life, Mm -hmm. but how does God see it? And, um, you know, he was talking about like St. Faustina, how God gave her the vision of her soul and St. Gemma, how, um, she wanted to like know and see herself as God saw her. And Mm. so anyways, just having these like beautiful young saints, um, and diving in and reading, you know, their journals and stuff like that is so encouraging. And also it's just a cool question to ask because there's so much that can come from it. So yeah. Heck yes. I thought of that. I guess I guess the spiritual direction in general. I guess it's spiritual direction. <laughs> yeah. Love me some spiritual direction. I need spiritual direction. I do sure. <laughs> Always. It's, it's hard. I mean we've talked about this before. It's like hard to find. So in here's the thing, like not all priests have the gift of spiritual direction. True. So that eliminates it even more. And then finding someone you click with and trust mm-hmm. and can even get on the same schedule with is a whole nother layer. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so it is. With okay. That Mike, being said, with that being said, no. what's your heck no? <laughs> My heck no is that I grated 16 tablespoons of butter with a tiny hand grater yesterday for sweet potato biscuits. It was awful. If I don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like now with my arms, I like, I don't know what the point of that was. Literally insane. It tells like shaving? Told you, like, yes, with a hand grater, just a little tiny oh little, gosh. it was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. It tells you too in the recipe to use the big holes on like the kettlebell type grater. Yeah. I don't have one of those. So I was like, well, I'll do my next best thing, which is my tiny little 
pinhole size grater that I hold with one hand and the six <laughs> that's two full sticks of butter if you don't know how many tablespoons are on a stick of butter it's two full sticks of butter just going back and forth and back and forth <laughs> but the biscuits were really good so now I need to go get a better grater because it. they were so good it was worth yeah. it but I was like this is it's absolutely absurd you sent me the recipe and I also don't have one of those like trap so tra- now you're just gonna delete like delete yeah i the won't photo. be making it <laughs> they're so good though they were the hit of last night but i was like okay at least it was worth it at least it was worth it oh, oh never again <laughs> yeah claire, claire what's your heck no oh my gosh so as the weather here in texas is like cooling down with like to 75 I've been reaching, swapping my dresses for pants. And you guys, I went (laughs) up in a size, which isn't, oh, no. Okay. The sizing is I'm like, it's all the squat. Like I've been doing squats with Jill and and it's just two, but this is the second time it's happened in two years that I've got up a size and need to, from last year. I have a closet with new pants. I yeah. have to get new pants. And it's just, I have such a very specific taste with pants. It has to be the mm-hmm. right wash fit. Like I need that gold hardware, everything. <laughs> and to find that is just like, no, you know, like yeah. just spend <laughs> Jeans again. are so like, hard. They, they are. are. They are. Like I need that right stretch to sit on the floor, play Legos with Peter. Like mm-hmm. this is not okay. I might just wear <laughs> dresses forever. I'm like, I'm going to keep going up in size year after year. Like have mercy. I'll like max out the scale. <laughs> like I can't do that. I can't, but that's it. You know, I feel that's so healthy, and good, but I'm like, uh, just like five or six pants. I have to donate now which is fine no but I remember you posting about them last year and being like I finally found some and you would like do like a should I keep this one or this one like which one do we like better and you finally found some that you love so like I'm living through this and now I'm like really bummed that those pants don't get to be worn I know all that time for like three or four wears I'm just gonna and you don't feel them in dresses you don't notice your right bottom half growing and then I do. Yeah. So that's the heck. No. Oh, Oh, that I need, I need whatever workout you're doing. My (laughs) pants aren't fitting because they're falling off because my butt is shrinking. (laughs) Count your blessing. So you, okay. If you want to, it's the sweat app with Kayla. It's amazing, but I feel so healthy, so good, but I'm like, this is a problem. Like it's, right. it's growing. So if you want it, but count your blessing. <laughs> yeah, you're heck no, heck no, Cece. Okay. So I heck no is that. So my neighbor, I was sitting outside the other day reading. It was like 9 PM. My front lights were on. Cause I was reading on my front porch and he comes out like the neighbor right next to me. And he's just like wandering on the sidewalk, like in the dark. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? And it like looked like he was looking for something. He's like, Oh, like I'm like, I could be better. My wife is gone. And I was like, Oh, like, where is she? He's like, Well, she's just like visiting with her sisters in Florida. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, have a good night. He's like, Yeah, it, yeah, it could be better. And I was uh, like, What? What is going on? And he just like what? walked away in the dark and then I saw him walk back 
um, like coming back, like maybe 25 minutes later. So I went at my house, but I was like, I'm so confused. Like it was a little creepy, but like, he's a very nice guy. I, I like, you know, they water my plants when I'm gone. And like, yeah, it was super weird. It was like, he was looking for something, but like maybe Mm -hmm. wandering around, like it was almost like he was sleepwalking and, I don't know, but I've like avoided making eye contact with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would um, too. Bizarre. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, you know, and I was going to be like, well, do you need help finding something? But I was like, shut right. your mouth, Cecilia. You don't yeah. actually want to help him find anything. Like, <laughs> shut your mouth. That's so hard with neighbors too. Cause you're, that's your home. You can't yeah. like, yeah. it's like, you'll see them. That's right. so mm-hmm. hard. So anyways, then the next morning there's this dog toy in my backyard and I have a fence. So I'm like, I mean, he couldn't have been looking for this dog toy at 9 p.m. I mean, there's no way. Like, <laughs> could be better. Just lost my dog toy. Like, I know. I'm like, there's, there's no way this is what it's about. Right. But I haven't even touched. I've left it there for a few days now. Um, I'm like, avoid all interaction, it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, this is super weird. That's totally a heck no. I don't know what to think of it, but here we are. So yeah. Strange. Um, Okay, well, before we jump in to all things Claire, um, Meg, you want to talk about the Catholic Company? Yeah, we love them, have been big supporters of them for a long time, as they've supported our podcast for a really long time as well. Um, But they have a couple of books that are focused on All Souls Day and All Hallows Eve, um, which is... By the way, happy Halloween. This is when this podcast comes out. (laughs) We didn't, yeah, we didn't choose a Halloween... Halloween topic this year, but happy Halloween. Um, they have one called prayers, promises, and devotions for holy souls in purgatory, which I think is really important and powerful. Cause I think we forget about, um, our responsibility to pray for the souls in purgatory. And then they also have a book called the, the four last. last things by father Martin, um, death judgment, hell, and heaven, which I also think is super important because those are some of the biggest, like heaviest topics that we have just kind of floating in our brain. And we have questions to, and we don't have answers for, and, um, it's just, it's a very in-depth topic. Okay. These books are awesome because they're under $15 and I just love buying books from the Catholic company over something like Amazon, because I know where my money's going, um, and not to Amazon and all that they pay for. Uh, sometimes it's like hard to avoid, right? But this Mm -hmm. is a great opportunity to actually support who you're buying from. So you can use code HECK15 for 15% off um, your order, and we will put everything in the show notes for the Catholic company. Um, Okay, so Claire, do you, can you just tell us kind of like macro, macro view of your journey, like when you got married, when you had Peter, and then um, when you started dealing with secondary infertility, just kind of like that macro view. Definitely. So six years ago, I got married to Mike and I went into marriage very disconnected with my fertility and my fertility health. I, from the, my first cycle at 13, my cycles were so wacky. I'm talking like from years to not getting them. Um, the shortest amount of time was about 60 days. So Leading up to marriage, I was working the night shift as a nurse and that disconnected my body even more. Um, 
my, my, it just disconnected how I felt with my fertility even more. So Mm -hmm. I took some classes with Mike before leading up to our marriage, but just, I may, I was told I may have PCOS, nothing was definitive. And it was just, I went into marriage, just not knowing my cycle. Well, Mm-hmm. When I got married, I quit my job about three weeks before getting married. And by the grace of God, for the first time in my life, my cycles were normal. Wow. 28 day cycles. It was for the wow. first time ever. And how so, that's like the most stressful time ever. <laughs> I, know. I know. It just showed how stressful that night nursing shift. I was an oncology nurse on a bone marrow transplant floor, like doing infusions on multiple patients. And it was so high stress. And walking away from that, I was like so free, like so wow. happy. And it just shows how much stress can affect our bodies. So I quit that job, three amazing cycles. And thank God that we were just so open to life right from the outset of our marriage. Thank God, because I conceived, we were married in June and I conceived in August with Peter. It gives me chills. It literally gives me chills. Praise God. I know. That's what I tell like, like couples who are going into marriage, they're like, Oh, we'll wait a couple months just to, to be together. Those few months are just so you never know. You, you, mm-hmm. you just never know what God has in store and just go into marriage being so open to life because Peter is our greatest gift of our marriage. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so it gives me no. chills. Cause we've heard this before from people of like, you know, they want to wait two years or whatever, but then they wait or, or, you know, they, they had a child, then they waited like another five years or something. And then they couldn't have a child. And it was like their biggest, biggest, like, yeah, their biggest hurt. Right. So it's true. That's one of the things I hear from people with infertility. Their biggest regret is that they didn't try sooner. And some people, even within Catholic marriages are on birth control, sadly, that Mm -hmm. goes against our church that, within their marriage, just thinking, Oh, I want to work a couple years. No, just, just be open to the gift, um, Mm -hmm. of life right from the outset. And I, I need to mention, mention our lady of Lords because on our honeymoon, uh, we went to Lords for part of our honeymoon and Mm. just asked her intercession, but I did go into marriage, assuming my fertility, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us do that. I, my, I came from a family of six siblings. Um, I'm the second of six. My mom is one of 12. And I oh. just assumed I secondary infertility, even as a nurse, I never even thought about, I didn't even know its definition, you know, I, mm-hmm. but we always assume our, our fertility when, and think it's guaranteed when in reality, it's such a gift. Mm-hmm. And so again, even conceiving. So early on, I continued to assume that I would have many children and Mm -hmm. that wasn't the reality. So I realized, um, I had secondary infertility after I stopped nursing and breastfeeding Peter. Um, I experienced at 14 months, he was 14 months. I experienced mid cycle bleeding and my period Mm. resumed but it ranged from 45 to 60 days and they were incredibly painful. Um, mm. 
periods and cycles and that mid-cycle bleeding was really worrisome. So I made an appointment after researching. I was like, I really think I've been told in the past, I may or may not have had polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, and I might have endometriosis, but, um, I am such an outlier with PCOS because I fall in the 10% of lean PCOS where most show those outward symptoms of facial hair and weight gain. I don't Mm. have those outward symptoms. And the doctor came in and was like, you're fine. That's normal. Mid-cycle bleeding is normal. You might bleed when you ovulate, but it wasn't normal for me. And that's, that's when you have to start advocating for yourself. It Mm -hmm. may be normal for someone else, but if it's not normal for you advocate for yourself, I went for two years going back and forth with that doctor, something's off something. And she would continue to say, you know, that's, that's normal. Um, and one, at one point it just got so bad. I sat in the office and I said, I'm not leaving until I have a script to check for, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I need an ultrasound and blood work. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. gave it. sure enough, I had, mm. I was diagnosed with that. So that's when I, um, discovered that I had that secondary infertility. Meanwhile, we were trying to conceive pretty much after Peter was born and, um, we weren't able to. So I started taking ovulation meds to help me ovulate. Mm -hmm. IVF was not an option for us. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and they really tried to push that. So Mm -hmm. we, I took Clomid, Letrozole. I did HCG shots and Mm -hmm. still nothing. So, um, and these are common, these are like all church approved. Like these are, these are common things. I know a lot of women that have done this, but like you said, yeah, IVF is off the table per Catholic teaching. So Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And if, if a doctor is pushing you to get that, don't agree and find a new doctor that it's that simple. Just don't agree to that IVF. Um, but I, after trying those fertility meds, I was just at a loss and just in a really dark place. I, and it was at this point that I was starting to make an idol out of having a baby. It's all Mm -hmm. I thought about it. It Mm -hmm. consumed my prayer life. And I talked with Mike about this and, and with a priest. And it was then when I decided to surrender it all over to Christ and then to focus on fertility health versus conception that I started to see a change and was more Mm. open. And so, um, a friend of mine who is a NAPRO, uh, surgeon reached Mm -hmm. out to me. She knew I was struggling and she said and recommended that I get an ovarian wedge resection for my polycystic ovarian syndrome which is essentially taking out a wedge of your ovary in hopes that those cysts in your ovaries, um, stop producing so many unhealthy hormones or that, that excess hormones. So that scared me so much, but Mm -hmm. I was willing to do any, I, I had tried, I had maxed out all my other attempts to conceive and I was so open to it. And during that surgery, I ended up, um, seeing napro surgeon, Dr. Biter. And it was during that surgery that he also did an exploratory laparoscopy for endometriosis. Mm -hmm. So endometriosis is where the lining of your, 
um, the tissue that normally lines the uterus grows outside the uterus and it can be found on other organs like mm. fallopian tubes, intestines, your rectum. And come to find out during that surgery, he did the ovarian wedge resection and found stage one endometriosis and he removed it. And since then I had that surgery two years ago, my life has changed. My cycles from that day of the surgery have been perfect 28 day cycles with clear, clear peak day um, signs. And it just changed everything for me. It really did from the outside. It may look to others that it wasn't a success because I didn't conceive, but that fertility health that I have experienced since Mm -hmm. is remarkable. Wow. I didn't know it was that big of a change. Peter was what, four or five when you had that two years ago. So four, he was four years old. So we had been trying monthly, you know, every month to conceive and, and we just weren't able to, and, and continue not being not able to. So, mm-hmm. and I should have prefaced it secondary. Cause I didn't know what secondary infertility was. Mm-hmm. Um, so the definition of secondary infertility is the inability to conceive or carry a baby to term after previously giving birth after a year of trying to. So if you're miscarrying, often that could, and after a year of trying that's secondary infertility. So a lot Mm of, um, it helps knowing that definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even like, so thank you for giving that like macro aspect view. So now Peter is six years old. Um, and you guys are seven years into marriage now, Seven. seven. Okay. Um, what has the emotional journey been like for you and Mike just together, almost as mm-hmm. just as a, you know, unitive couple. I'll start with the, the negative it's been, a, there have been really difficult moments. And the most difficult part for me personally has been that feeling like my body has failed our marriage, which is a lie, but it's something I really had to work through. Um, and also the heartache after, mm-hmm seven years of just every month trying to get pregnant, taking those tests and them all being negative. And to put it in perspective, I've had 64 cycles since Peter. So that's 64 times of just like mental anguish sometimes Mm -hmm. of, um, just trying to conceive and being unable to, and just seeing the heartache with Mike, but it's the positive has been us growing closer together digging deep into those topics that are hard (laughs) and when you don't want to talk about it, but need to, and being so vulnerable, um, it's been such a moment of growth for us in our marriage. Um, the positive has also been finding and exploring ways that we can create together different ways. Mm -hmm. So we aren't creating a baby together. We create life in so many different ways as a couple Mm -hmm. Um, and finding ways to gift the world with new life as in our marriage and family. Right. Oh, I love I mean, that. The, f- the first thing I thought of was when I came to visit and the meals they would create together. I was like so inspired when I went oh, home. I was like, what yeah. in the world? And just like the spaces they create in their home for people to come in is just like next level. Like mm-hmm. having fresh flowers in the guest room. I do that now because y'all did it. And I was like, that's such a cute idea. That's something that you guys do together. And that's the first thing I thought of when you shared that. 
Thank you so much. I love that analogy. Like you, like, how can we create life? And like, that's so much more than just, than just quote unquote, just than, than conceiving, creating a child, right? The creating life. I just like want to use that question everywhere in my life. Like, how can I create life? Definitely. It's, it's beautiful. There's, um, a Jose, St. Jose Maria Scriva quote that I love so much, but he says, God in his providence has two ways of blessing marriages, one by giving them children and the other sometimes because he loves them so much by not giving them children. And yes, the, the fruit of a marriage is children. It's beautiful, but there are other fruits that God is giving us now to delve into. Mm. What do you think the biggest battle is that you've had to face with it? or that you've had to overcome with it? So sometimes the secondary infertility, it's tough because you feel like you just don't fit in mm-hmm. and the pain is real. Yet for years, I hesitated to even express it because I knew some couple couples would have done anything for even one child. And I felt almost mm-hmm. like I shouldn't even complain. I have one child So with that, I found myself downplaying the pain and not always acknowledging it and not addressing it. So it would well up. The pain was real and it hurt so badly, but now I know the reality that secondary infertility is a valid heartache and not to dismiss that reality Mm -hmm. because when we truly enter into the reality of our pain and suffering that's when we can truly hand it over to Christ and truly True. receive that grace. If we're just passing over things and not fully acknowledging and delving in, we're losing out on the grace and the opportunity, the reality for it. That's true. I love that because I think so many times we are like, oh, we can't say anything because they have it worse. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you almost feel like quote unquote imposter syndrome. Cause it's like, well, I don't belong there. Like I don't deserve to say anything because either someone's better or someone has it worse. And I even see that with like deployment is, mm-hmm. you know, Megan, I've, you've like Avery's been gone for a weekend <laughs> or something. You're like, I feel like I can't complain because your husband's gone all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, Yours is so valid still. Like yeah. we can still unite in like be empathetic towards one another and yeah, unite in the suck, even <laughs> though yeah, one might be more extreme than the other, but it doesn't invalidate how you're feeling. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't I even like- considered that with having had a kid already. Cause there's a whole group of people that are like, I struggle with infertility. Mm-hmm. And you would be like saying, but they'd be like, Are yeah. you kidding? Exactly. You know? And, and I get so that even, even messages we get like, why are you even bringing this up? But, um, it's a valid thing. It really is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. What has the spiritual journey been like? I'm passed over this one. Cause we talked about the emotional journey, but what's the spiritual journey been like for you and Mike? Like what has Jesus revealed to you and taught you through all of this? So it revealed my lack of trust in God's plan and his goodness. Mm. And it's really revealed the areas that I need to grow in spiritually. And with the struggle of secondary infertility, I realized I was questioning God, God's goodness, because Mm. didn't he say be fruitful and multiply and wasn't my desire for children holy. Um, right. So why was he denying me something so 
good as children. So it made me question his goodness. And it just revealed my wounds that I needed to address for my sanctity and holiness. Um, and then it also has shown me the, that suffering, the beauty within suffering. So, so often we zero into our suffering instead of seeing the larger picture. And I love, we'll go with the image of a picture because, Mm -hmm. um, like, let's think of a Monet. Everyone knows Monet. If Mm -hmm. we're zoomed in to a shadow, let's say of a lily pad of his bridge picture, his bridge, we just see this ugliness. We, we don't know what it is, you know, but if we walk out and see the beautiful, majestic painting that he created, that's like our suffering. So often we can zero into that pain and suffering and feel alone. Yet if we walk out, we see that big, beautiful plan. And that's what I experienced with secondary infertility for so long. I was so zeroed in on this one obsession with trying Mm -hmm. to conceive when in reality, life is so short and, and in the scheme of eternity and this, I can offer this suffering really, um, is a source of grace and ultimately joy when I walk out and see that masterpiece that this shadow of the lily pad is what makes this portrait and painting so beautiful and majestic. So that's really Mm -hmm. helped me. Um, and it also gave me an opportunity to make a conscious choice to follow Christ and his bride, the church IVF was never an option for us. And I would rather go through the suffering of infertility than to disobey Christ and his bride. So it made me with really make that conscious choice in faith. The order, the order of life and the order that the church gives for us. And honestly, I thank God for that order all the time. Megan and I, we always talk about this because it gives us Mm -hmm. so much direction of like, you know, even Megan, we were talking about like, oh, I'm having like problems with like my kids or whatever it is. It's like, oh, we need to first focus on the marriage because like that is what the order of life is. And then Mm -hmm. we need to first before that focus on a relationship with God. Maybe it's that I need to go to confession. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why everything else is feeling disordered because that's relationship with Christ. Yeah, exactly. Father, father Peyton, our local parish priest, even last night was just like, there is no one else in the world that thinks and lives the way that Catholics do. It is so countercultural and so whack to the normal person, but it's so good and beautiful. And it's such a gift that we have the church and the order that it gives us, like we're talking about and the things that it calls us to, because nothing else could bring us like the same amount of freedom or joy or peace. And it's just like it, people don't even get like if they're not Catholic, they don't get it because they're like, that's so, like if you want a kid so bad and we have the scientific way to do it, like I don't understand. And it's like, no, no, no. You, you don't understand how much more freeing and peaceful this is. And yeah, it, that, that's perfectly not understood. Yeah. So this whole like so an analogy I've heard, like you were saying, Monet is like this tapestry of life. And when you're creating a tapestry, you're underneath it and you're like, you know, sewing in it. And it looks like this big mess of like strings and stuff mm. underneath a tapestry. But then when you look on top, you see the beautiful picture. But underneath it, it's like literally just random strings hanging everywhere. 
Yeah. And then it's so beautiful. Right. And so they say like the tapestry of life, but the whole idea of like living in the macro is how I always try to remind myself. It is so refreshing to hear that applied to different scenarios. Um, and like how that brings more peace because so much we're like, just, you know, in it, like we're, even if you're like in an argument with something, it's like, you're just so in it instead of like seeing, oh, wow, where is this actually playing? Um, playing a role. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another way. Yeah. Just real quick. Another way spiritually was that, um, our growth as a family in love with the Holy family. So Mm. in prayer a year or so ago, I received in prayer, just how Jesus loves our little family so much because it reminds him of his family growing up. And yeah, whenever that brings me so much comfort and peace, because anytime we get comments about the size of our family, I just think too, I wonder if our lady experienced the same thing with these big Jewish families she was surrounded by. And just that it's an opportunity for falling in love with the Holy family and being safe and close in our tiny Nazareth with them and to truly Mm. imitate them in a very unique way. Very real way. I just got teary eyed when you said all of that. I was like, wait, that's so beautiful. Why don't the average Catholics think that instead of saying you could be more Catholic if you had more kids? Well, do you ever, did you ever like when you weren't, you know, when you're still struggling immensely with the idea of the new idea of like secondary infertility. Did you ever feel like, oh yeah, here's my family. We deal with infertility. Like kind of like you had to like say that to make sure people like, you know, weren't judging you from the outside. Definitely. I labeled myself for years with it, with secondary, I, it became part of my identity and, uh, to, to my detriment, it really was even, even, being known for that person with secondary infertility. It just, Mm. um, and that the way we speak about ourselves forms our identity. It really does. And to really know I am first and foremost, a beloved daughter of God who created me, you know, to, to Mm -hmm. live life in abundance and to, uh, tear down and take off those scales of, um, lies that we put on ourselves is really important. Yeah. I had never even thought of that, Cease. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, we're going to pause. And I literally see like my little Catholic necklace hanging and Claire's necklaces and Megan's necklace hanging in the Zoom. You want to talk about the little Catholic? (laughs) Yeah. We're all big fans. Um, And Carrie is the newest little fan. The other day I was going to put her hair up in pigtails or ponytail like I always do. And she kept saying this one word and I couldn't figure out what it was. And she goes, here, mama, I show you. And she walked into the bathroom, opened the bottom drawer where I keep all of my headbands. And I have a handful of little Catholic headbands. And she's like, headband, headband. And I was like, oh, you want to wear a headband? Yeah, mama, like a princess. And I was like, what? (laughs) It was the cutest thing in the world. She now prefers headbands over ponytails, which is like hit or miss because sometimes her hair is a little nappy looking. But the headband, you know, does wonders for the look. Um, and she loves them and they fit her head too, which is really, really got cool. a big head. Okay. You know what? 
<laughs> I know I a lot of people though. <laughs> I know a lot of people though whose daughters will wear them to school with their like Catholic school uniforms and all this uh-huh. stuff. It's super cute. Um, and you can use code HEC20, HEC20 uh, for 20% off. Love the little Catholic, everything they make is high quality and can't beat them. All right. So jumping back in, there's kind of like this saying with, you know, let's say someone is 40 year old, 40 years, 40 years old woman, and she's getting married for the first time, but she like waited her whole life to get married. Right. This was like a desire forever. And if I would have said to her, like, okay, if God would have told you, you would get married at 40, what would you have done with your life? Like what, you know, what are all the things you wish you would have done? And, you know, in the, instead of just like waiting and in that waiting season, what is all the beautiful things? And, you know, I've actually asked this question, like I would have traveled here. I would have become this, I would have done this job. I would have, you know, all of these different things and accomplishments and, you know, development of character that she would have done instead of waiting. Do you feel like, you know, you have something like looking back on more of your, um, when you were really struggling with that. I guess, quote unquote, term of secondary infertility. Is there anything you look back on? You're like, I wish I, I would have done this. The biggest thing I think would be to really look at the blessing of Peter and to mm-hmm. be so joyful with him and just spend all my time with him. There were so many hours I spent researching or going from doctor to doctor, which is important and necessary mm-hmm. for fertility health, but I let it consume my mind and heart. And that's, that's my regret is we can go through the day. So we can be present to people, but so distracted mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. physically even. And I wish I didn't allow it to become such a distraction with both Mike and Peter. Yeah. It's so crazy how something that's like such a good desire can become a distraction like with everything. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like one, like you can, it can be an extreme either way. Yeah. It can. I think that one's almost harder too, because it kind of motivates you to continue to pursue it. Cause you're like, this is a good thing that I'm pursuing. Uh This Mm -hmm. is a good thing that I'm spending my time on. And it's like the order's still out of line. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, what about like, you know, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Megan. No, go. It sounds like you have a thought. Okay. So you know, when you're saying like, don't take your fertility for like, don't take for advantage. What is it for granted, 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 (laughs) don't take your fertility for granted. You know? And I think so many women's biggest fear is to face infertility. Mm -hmm. Like I can say a hundred percent. That's my biggest fear. Um, like always, you know, and do you feel like that was ever, you know, you kind of talked about it as like you, you know, you came from a big family, you thought, da, 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 da. was that ever even like a, you know, the biggest fear answer to, to the question? Was that ever something that came up? No, going into marriage? Not at all. Like I said, I just assumed mm-hmm. and took for granted that, that I would have children immediately. And even with Peter's birth, I thought, oh, we'd have more children. No. Um, But we, I think even the birth control culture has infiltrated mentally us as Catholics too, because what does that culture say? It says that we are fertile. And so we need to stop Mm -hmm. our fertility. And so 
that's what we assume too, going into marriage. Sometimes like we, we are in control of our fertility. Yeah. I will get pregnant. You know, if we, if we have sex this month, we'll get pregnant when mm -hmm. changing our mentality and our spiritual life to know every good and perfect gift comes from God mm -hmm. and life. The most beautiful, perfect gift comes from God into hand over that control. And I think we all have from the fall want and desire that control, especially with our sexual organs. We want that control and we want a good, big, beautiful Hallmark Catholic family. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to have. And of course, we're going to desire that. But coupled with that, we need to understand that fertility is pure gift, pure mm -hmm. gift. Mm -hmm. Truly, I think knowing you and a couple other people in our lives that we talked about before jumping on this podcast has made it so much more obvious and like ingrained in Avery and I's marriage that well, and losing Charlie early on in marriage made it very apparent to us that we are not in control and it opens the door for like God to work and for our hearts and like souls to be open to life in a drastic way. Cece and I have talked about it before and it sets things on fire sometimes when we do, but it's like, why, why would you like it, the alternative is to assume that you have control and to assume that this is on your time, whenever you decide you want it to be. And it's like, that's not the case. We are not that powerful as it's much as true. we think so. And it, it reveals the wounds of our own heart. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm always thinking about the wound before the wound, because yeah. there, there is a wound before the wound of secondary infertility. And what is that? Is it our fear? Is it our fear that we will never have a baby? Is it mm -hmm. our lack of trust in God's goodness, which I experienced? That was a wound. Is it our lack of forgiveness in someone Um, there? It, we are body and soul and there are spiritual ramifications there. Yeah. So to definitely explore that wound before the wound too is, is vital. Yeah. So there's this, I can't remember his last name, but Dr. Conrad, he has this like quote and he says, um, fear is the activator of our faults. And I feel like I'm like still trying to figure that out. Like still trying to dive into what that means. Fear is the activator of our faults, but I just feel like it's so relevant um, in that. And another thing I was going to say is the gift of fertility. Um, so many times I feel like gifts from God are earned like, Oh, I'm like, now I'm like, so at peace with my life. Like I got there, like I'm finally here at a peaceful place. This is awesome. But that, no, the grace, there's a mm -hmm. grace given, right? It's not something you can earn. Yeah, right. you can work hard to get there mentally, but it's still a gift. And, um, you know, something I was told just the other day, but the fastest way to lose gifts we've been given is to attribute them to ourselves. Mm. And I was wow. like, wow. shoot. Oh my You're gosh. Like, okay. Just kidding. God, I didn't, I didn't earn that. I that, at all. <laughs> that was all you, all you. Because <laughs> I was saying, like, I just feel so at peace, you know, da, da, da. Yeah. and like, I feel like I'm finally there. And he's like, no, 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 you didn't a get there. <laughs> God gifted you that grace of peace. Yeah. And yeah, so it was just like, it was so eye opening. But yeah, I mean, 
your fertility is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something you're owed. And um, I'm sure I, I can't even imagine the confusion it feels when it's not there. Yeah. And not to make an idol out of it, which I was doing, just don't obsess over it. And like we were saying earlier, order it. I felt that when the talking about peace and joy, it entered in that freedom entered in when I changed my daily prayer from God, give me a baby to God, may your perfect will be complete in my life. May I fulfill Mm -hmm. your perfect will. That's when my life changed. And that's when I felt the freedom, joy, and peace enter in and said, he knows our desires. He knows that I want another baby and that I'm hoping mm-hmm. for one yet. I more than that want mm-hmm. to come yeah. in my life, his perfect will. That's yeah. where I know the joy, freedom, and grace and peace is. And I I'm experiencing a little foretaste in that, even within that prayer. And it's so like, you can apply that mindset so many other places. Cause I'm sure you saw, like, once you got there with the hardest thing in your life, it was so, it was so much easier to just go straight there with everything else in your life, because your level of, um, trust in God was always like, that was the capacity. Like that's a massive Mm -hmm. place to get. So now your capacity is so much bigger to just get there and trust. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. It's kind of like, if you like stretched out jeans, it's like, well, like there are, like you can fill them. Like Claire's like, like, I know, I know what that's like stretched out. You know, you don't have to go through the pain of like, forcing them up. Cause like they're already there. Already. I know <laughs> I'm not there. No. <laughs> it's, it's, oh. it's so true though. That's so well said. And even I meant to preface this whole thing with, because I know a lot of the dang hackers are single yet. This is stuff <laughs> that can be applied to spiritual life. You yeah. know, it doesn't, yeah. everyone has that unique cross. It probably isn't secondary infertility for the majority of listeners. However, we all have those unique sufferings and there is a universality to suffering that we, mm-hmm. we can all learn from each other. So keep listening. That's what I'm <laughs> doing. <laughs> well, the other thing I was going to say too, cause you said you made it an idol. And I remember when we first got pregnant with Carrie and we were going through our pregnancy in New Mexico in the desert during COVID with no one around literally in the desert, like literally so- in the <laughs> desert, like spiritually and physically. Um, <laughs> I remember telling my doula how like really bummed I was that I didn't get to do a baby shower, that I didn't have my girlfriends around me, that I didn't get to do a super fun, like photo shoot, all those things that you really look forward to doing with your first kids specifically, like everybody gets to do those. She was like, are you more in love with the idea of having this kid and all the things that come with it? Or are you okay with the, the actual fact that you are having a kid, like which one are you more focused on and more in love with? And I was like, crap. And it was true. Cause I had been, been making an idol out of the fact that I'm pregnant and that this is a whole thing that everybody gets to do. And they're good things to want, but it was trumping the actual fact that I had created a life with God and my husband. And that alone was enough and beautiful. And I've applied that to everything since then. And it's very similar to what you said. I was like, yep. Good wake up call. Even in dating, it's like, are you Mm -hmm. in love with the idea of having a guy or having a husband? Or do you actually like the guy in front of you? Yep. Exactly. (laughs) It's so true. 
Yeah. So I was, I was reading, I have like the divine intimacy book and a few days ago it was saying, it was like, uh, my heart or sorry, my heart has no desire, but to respond to your, to your invitation. Wow. Okay. My heart. (laughs) (laughs) My heart has no desire, but to respond to your invitations, Lord. And with the help of your grace, I may always do your will and be prompt and willing to carry out your orders. And sometimes I'm like, God, just like, be clear on your orders. Like, that's all I want. It's just like, <laughs> freaking tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. this is not a guessing game. So like, why am I trying to guess over here? I'm like, If you give me an order, I will do it. Do you it. Tell me. <laughs> <sighs> but it is so true. It's so applicable everywhere. And, um, yeah. Um, how about where do you feel like you are now? Like, where do you feel like you're now with, you know, six, six years after six years after Peter, mm-hmm. four years with, you know, secondary infertility, um, even like, where are you now? And did you ever think you would get to where you are? I feel so at peace and joyful. It's, it's, it's funny because this conversation, like four or five years ago, I'd be tearing up. I'd be mm-hmm. like, I'd be so anxious to talk about it. I would, mm-hmm. there is so much joy and peace in surrendering to God, whatever it is that you're going through surrendering to God. The fruit of that is peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And just seeing our family grow and the things we're experiencing now, I am filled with excitement for the future, for now, the present moment and the future. And of course I would welcome a baby with open arms and it would be such a gift, but I know that that true joy and happiness comes from doing God's will. So by, and this is all by the grace of God, plus me being open to that grace and sticking close to this, the sacraments Mm -hmm. and confession and mass. And there have been dark moments to this journey. Um, for sure. I don't want to dismiss that, especially if someone is in the middle of that darkness, I want to give them hope of course, but not to dismiss that because there have been dark moments of course, but the, the sacraments coupled with God's grace has just it's been amazing to see. And the, the fruit of it, I have grown as a person I'm continuing to grow. I'm seeing places I need to grow, but Mm. overall there is a peace and joy and freedom. Well, it's funny. Cece asked where you are now. And the first thing you said was, I am at so much peace. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, we specifically (laughs) said we had to bring Claire on because she's one of the most peaceful person we know. Peaceful. You can probably hear it in her voice. (laughs) Literally anytime I hear Claire talk, I'm like, I I don't like, I'm not going to fall asleep because I'm bored. I'm going to fall asleep because she's literally putting me in like the most relaxing state I've ever been in my life just because of the tone of her voice. Thank you. It it is God's grace. It is because there, there were moments, clear moments in the past where it was a struggle, but by the grace of God in our weakness, he does make us so strong. He does. Okay. Speaking of peaceful voice, I was like, Claire needs to be like, she needs to be talking through like meditations because she is the perfect voice. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's true. Or the rosary, like, the lead of a rosary. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We got to get you on hollow. Um, <laughs> like, I want you in my ear every right. day. Right. Like, yeah, Mark Wahlberg, he's right. cool. But like, I want Claire. <laughs> but Get in but, touch, hollow. Get in touch. I know. I know. Um, but hollow is an audio guided Catholic meditation and prayer app, and it can walk you through all different Christian Catholic methods of, com- uh, contemplative prayer and meditation. Like we were just talking about, um, and something they just came out with is lo-fi music, like L O F I. And Whoa. it is straight up <laughs> awesome because Megan and I are hunters for lo-fi music. Um, we are, but these are. <laughs> Okay, listen to these playlist titles. Morning Prayer Lo-Fi, Rosary Girl Lo-Fi, Sleepy Dad Lo-Fi, and Vibes <laughs> with Aquinas Lo-Fi. <laughs> and I love, I love the whole like aesthetic of lo-fi music, like the scratchy like record sound and just like uh-huh. the old timey like feel. Study, like study yeah, music. It like, is. Or like, you know, you're just like sipping a glass of wine at like 8 p.m. Contemplating Your neighbor life. comes out, gets I all know. weird. <laughs> like, other yesterday, yesterday was literally raining and I had like 30 minutes between meetings. I was just sitting on my couch, looking out the front window, thinking oh. about Patrick. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's like so uh, depressing. But I could the go home. Mark of you. Looking back, I'm like, I could have gone for, for some good like sleepy dad lo-fi music um but you can get the hollow app for three months free uh three months free trial at www.hollow.com slash what in the dang heck and everything you can find in our show notes so claire tell us what projects are you working on now people are going to be hyper obsessed with you after they hear you on this episode (laughs) So how can they hear more of you? Thank you. And thank you ladies again for having me on such an honor. So you can find me on finding Philothea, both my blog and Instagram is finding Philothea. Our patron is St. Francis de Sales, who wrote letters to the faithful entitled Philothea, the one who loves God. So our whole mm-hmm. mission is to bring the mercy, joy, and beauty of a life lived in and for Christ um, and finding the one who loves God, our true self, and um, finding the one who loves God in others also. So it would be an honor if you followed and joined along our journey. I also this past year fulfilled a lifelong dream of becoming an etiquette instructor And so I am launching, working on scripts now, but launching an online course for etiquette and that will be released within the next few months. So I'm so excited. I literally have chills. And then your podcast. Oh yes. Yes. Finding Philothea with my husband, Mike. We just delve into topics from love, marriage, children, family life. It's really a beautiful edifying time together and we love sharing it with the world he also has a very peaceful voice he does mike does you both do like your home is just this like little oasis where it's like nothing is wrong in the world i have the most beautifully finely sliced cheese on my plate It's all the love and the details that's mike though he just loves in these details and he teaches me so much 
Yeah. Oh, I love watching, uh, even the little like real videos on your Instagram of you and Mike. I'm like, wow, I'm inspired. I'm inspired <laughs> after that three second video. <laughs> Jots down for when Patrick is back. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. That looks like a good date. We should totally do that. <laughs> Thank you. Just we've, constantly. we've gone into it so intentionally too. So it's just, it, it's, it's beautiful. Like our marriage is just the most beautiful thing and mm-hmm. such a vocation and why not delve into it fully, you know, go yeah. on those dates, just romance your spouse, like just have fun mm-hmm. in it too. And it's, it's beautiful. I love it. I love Mike. So what's <laughs> it to our podcast? <laughs> no, there's like this whole trend of like, you know, romancing your life. And I'm like, but like, it doesn't have to be like this trendy, like only one time let's like romance our life for this video or for this Instagram post. It's like, right. No, you can like romancing your life is just like an, a state of being. Right. The it's habit. Like, it's uh, and it's yeah. a decision to bring that peace into your home mm-hmm. too. Like we worked for it. It's not just, right. it's like asking the priest to come over and bless the house. That'll mm-hmm. bring the peace. You know, it's, it's things that we have consciously done as a yeah. to have peace in, in our home. It's a yeah. decision because I could easily not have a peaceful voice, you know, and just, <laughs> and, and go off, but no, it's just that beauty. It's inviting that beauty in daily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing our priest was saying recently in spiritual direction with him, he was talking about spontaneity and how we're always so good at it when we're dating because it's all fun and flirty and easy. And then we just get into the rhythm of marriage and we just forget or we're like, oh, I don't have time for that. or That takes too much mental power or whatever. And it's like, no, tackle him from behind while he's in the kitchen. And like you would have when you were dating, like do those things in your life, like romancing your life will be a norm. Like (laughs) just start to build off each other. And I was like, wow, I literally forgot about the word spontaneity in the past year or two, you know, like you just, it falls off the train somehow. And life goes by like years go by fast. That's the number Mm -hmm. one thing when like I talk to my mom friends, you know, they're like, I mean, I have a 13 year old now and like, I don't even know where time went. You know, that's like Mm -hmm. the number one thing you hear. And they, especially, um, we'll, we'll have to have her on one of like my older sister, practically Mary Catherine, Mm. but she has six kids and, um, her seventh on the way. And she's like, I mean, we, you know, we can't wait till like our kids are out of the house to start spending alone time and to start Mm -hmm. going on vacations together. Like we'll never, I mean, I'm pregnant again. Like we'll never have time together then. Like we can't wait. Like, oh, well, when this happens, then we can, or, you know, Mm -hmm. then we're here, then we can. It's like, there's never a better time. There's never a good time. There's never, never a better time. It's true. (laughs) I look up to my parents for that so much. They looking back, I'm like, what did you guys do? They had six of us. Mom was sometimes pregnant and going on those pilgrimage. Like we would go on a pilgrimage to Rome. She met the Pope pregnant with Uh one of like, just that live life now, exactly what you were saying. Don't put off those things. And they they Mm. don't have to be extravagant, like a trip. It's those, like Megan said, tackle your husband from behind, just (laughs) throw that love and, and live abundantly that John 10, 10, we're called to it. Yeah. Well, ending it on John 10, 10 on that note, note. (laughs) on that note, Call into the hotline at 312-775-2615. I will link all of, I just want to say like accoutrements, all of Claire's accoutrements. I don't even know if that's the right word. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) 
all of the things about Claire, I will be linking in the show notes so that you can stalk her and share her. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you, you for stuff. taking time out of your day. We will talk to you next time on the Wondering Hack Podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks a ton for listening to the What in the Dang Heck podcast. Make sure you call our hotline, subscribe, leave a rate and review, and might as well follow us on Instagram while you're at it. 